the drive and the hustle that comes with growing up in poverty definitely has probably been one of the, the biggest factors in my success. And so now we're tracking a billion dollar medical market. Nothing has changed from homeless heroin addict Tyler to CEO Tyler, except for. Welcome to another amazing episode of Weed Buds Radio. Of course, I am your host, Rye Russell, and we are kicking off. 2021 2020 is behind us we're excited for a new year and you know i know so much of our audience tuning in are entrepreneurs and movers and shakers and i know 2020 was a tough one but you made it you grinded it out you were gritty and here we are and all of that work is leading to amazing and brilliant things here in 2021 and i know I know our next guest was one of those entrepreneurs that saw the pandemic come, made the necessary pivots that businesses need to make to continue to plow forward and and take those punches like a champ. And here we are in, in 2021. And I am excited now to introduce all of you to my friend, Tyler Dodd from Oklahoma. Tyler, welcome to Weed Buds Radio. Thank you so much for having me, Rye. I really appreciate you you uh, bringing me on. Well, it is my pleasure, and I think uh, you have a, a special guest we like I to do I have, every now and then. Yeah, I do. This is my little uh, this is my little helper here. She's she's always available to uh, distract and try and <laughs> are you a consultant? Help Dad with his patient amazing oh beautiful you know sometimes we need those consultants keeping us sane so man it's perfect On or, the or, or she's or or maybe not keeping us sane maybe she's conditioning me for the insanity of entrepreneurship I love it. (laughs) Speaking of the insanity of entrepreneurship, Tyler, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about your core business and what you've been building the last couple of years. Sure. No, I'd be glad to. In 2018, they they passed the medical cannabis law in Oklahoma uh, by a historical uh, percentage of people, 57% of the state's voters voted in favor of medical cannabis and had a multiples larger turnout than any governor's election in Oklahoma. And so the the people spoke and uh, it it was a red state, you know, and I don't think anybody really expected it. Coming from the background of of the traditional market, as I like to call it, I kind of had some insight into the the market for cannabis consumption in Oklahoma and and had I had the thoughts that it was going to be a a big market and so like I said I'm I'm a legacy cultivator third generation and so as soon as the the talks of the law passing started I knew that uh, I was going to try and do whatever I needed to do uh, to get one of those licenses especially being an Oklahoma native so amazing I know when Oklahoma when this was was really up for for people to to start reading about and understanding like hey there might be some regulation coming to the state that there was a lot of people especially on the west coast they're like 
where did Oklahoma come from? Like they just slammed onto the cannabis map. And so, I mean, was that something that like as a native, you were surprised with yourself? No, no, not at all. Once I saw the, the regulatory structure of the licenses and how, uh, you know, how you win these licenses and the ease of entry, the low barrier of the low cost of entry. I was like, everybody is going to get one of these cultivation licenses, everyone. And, and I had the foresight, it's $2,500 for a license. And you could literally put a cultivation license, a commercial cultivation facility in your garage at your house. And so that did a couple things. One, the guys on the West Coast immediately looked at these numbers right it, this has been my saving grace they looked at the you know immediately a thousand cultivators signed up yeah. and in a state with a population of 3.7 million people every other state they're like two to five percent two to three percent of the population gets a medical card that's not a very big market with a thousand cultivators so what that did is that kept all the on paper it looked horrible right and, and that kept a lot of the large MSOs out of our state uh, for quite some time until they realized. And what I realized is that, you know, now there's somewhere around 4,000 cultivation licenses. And I truly believe that one to 2% of those licenses are indoor facilities capable of producing AAA flower, top shelf indoor flower. And, uh, you know, the market and the numbers verifies my hypothesis on that and, and that we haven't seen a drop in the wholesale market. And so I think what happened is, is everyone with 10 acres and $2,500 in Oklahoma got a commercial cultivation light, but they're mostly outdoor cultivation. And so now we're tracking a billion dollar medical market, the largest medical market in the world. And, um, now we've got uh, we've got the attention of the large MSOs. All the large brands are coming in, and it it worked out perfectly for us because we were really able to get a foothold and get some traction, and then and then build a catalog of these brands wanting to deploy in Oklahoma. Brands like Cookies, uh, Mike Tyson, Tyson Ranch. So. And before we talk about, you know, the, the savvy entrepreneurship that it takes to compete in a market that really flourished quickly, I want to ask you, Tyler, you know, this, this savvy entrepreneurship, was this something that's been ingrained into you your whole life and you're just making uh, moves uh, and whatever? Not in the, not in the traditional sense, I would say. Absolutely not. You know, I'm a, I'm a 10th grade dropout. Um, didn't didn't complete high school. I don't know anyone in my family's. I can't think of anyone that has a high school diploma in my family. And wow. so, you know, uh, generations of real poverty. It's kind of a, it's kind of a strange question because a lot of that and that hustle and that drive and having to figure out from an early age, like, how are you going to feed yourself? How are you going to eat, dude? You know, and I, I think a lot of that, you know, has has fed into that drive that is necessary to be a successful entrepreneur. So, so in a lot of sense, in, in the basic skill set, um, you know, I, I don't have a lot of uh, education. You know, I, I've, my tools were, and uh, you know, I just wasn't equipped with a lot of the tools that that were necessary for the finance side. But the drive and the hustle that comes with growing up in poverty definitely has probably been one of the, the biggest factors in my success. 
and so tell me a little bit about going from that you know fight fight mode of of survival right like we you know we've kind of talked about this in some of mine and in yours and conversations in the past of you know we as human beings have to forgive ourselves for what we do in order to survive and so i would love to kind of talk about like the moment for you where you like Nah, like there's there are there are things that I'm doing right now and there's things that I want to do and and I'm going to grab that. You know, was that something that happened overnight or is that a process and a journey? Um a process and a journey, but it but I would say that it it took a spark. You know, part of the 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 poverty and everything that I'm talking about l- led me one to be a victim of the war on drugs. You know, I've been incarcerated. I'm a I'm a convicted felon over less than an ounce of cannabis. You know, and and at like 17, 18 years old, I was a convicted felon over less than an ounce of cannabis, personal use, not multiple bags, not I had a quarter ounce. And because it was my second offense on cannabis in Oklahoma, it's automatically a felony at that time. And so no matter the amount, if it was a half a gram, it's a felony. I'm just curious when you go from kind of the the entrepreneur that kept you alive to the entrepreneur that's helping you thrive, where sure. where did that come from and where, what was that transition? Yeah, it was it was a it was a slow change um, in 100% the result of the people on my team being willing to take the time and work with me and help me to become a refined businessman. You know, that was that was one of my biggest challenges is I had the drive, I had the hustle, I had the knowledge, I had the experience, I had the SOPs, but I was not a refined CEO. I was not good at dealing with people. Um, and, and all these nuances of, of leading and running a company, my team has really stepped up around me and, and, uh, and really helped me a lot to become a better CEO. And, and where I can pat myself on the back in that is I surrounded myself with people that are capable of doing that. You know, I realized that, that I lacked in certain areas and it was the result of plant medicine that, that gave me enough of the ego dissolution to be able to be like, dude, you have no idea what you're doing. Ask for help find somebody to help you. And I did. And that's how we brought on Tyson McDonald from Acreage. Uh, he was one of my, he, he sets as a strategic advisor now um, for my company. And he, he, uh, he was my mentor, you know, and then one day it's like, he's coming to work for me. So, so the transition happened very slowly for sure for me, as far as transitioning from the street, the street mentality to corporate America ish. Our friend, uh, Ish, our friend, uh, Mike Major from Green Lane Communication, we were we are talking about this and we were talking about kind of my journey of, of entrepreneurship of, you know, being, you know, 22, 23 and, and, and in a certain position and, and being 30 and in a certain position and, you know, really being able to be honest with myself of a lot of the stuff that's going on now could have happened back then if my ego had allowed it, if I wasn't so, I don't want that. I'm the best, you know, and realize, wait a second, you're a simpleton. Like, you know, you're good at what you're good at. 
Exactly. And, and, and I think the separation there for entrepreneurs is being able to have that, what you just spoke of, at the same time is having a sometimes narcissistic level of confidence sure. at the same time. And, and that's the parallel that a lot of people like it's the balance of asking for help yet knowing that you're going to crush anything that anybody puts in front of you. Sure. And so it's, it's truly, it's a, it's a balancing act that requires a lot of personal work, spiritual work, you know, a lot and, and a lot, I don't think plant medicine is the only way, but it was by sure the fastest and easiest way for me, not necessarily the most comfortable, Sure. I, I don't know that I suggest a heroic dose, a Terrence McKenna dose of psilocybin to just everyone, but uh, yeah. But explain that to me because someone, someone like myself, right? And we kind of talked about this. I grew up and my, my dad, my grandparents were both Episcopal ministers. And, you know, to me, it wasn't, I wasn't afraid of cannabis because I thought it was something, you know, just arbitrarily bad to me i thought it was just this thing that's going to guarantee me you know a life in hell or eternity in hell and fast forward to what i learned since i turned 26 27 years old 28 and studying this and being around other people like you is you know i i would love like what that process of just shedding the ego i think they're is a journey that humans can go on and then there is this you know plant medicine approach that does help individuals to say look i am this being and i am i'm powerful with this but i'm not all powerful like i am still immortal right yeah and and, and the, the thing that i realized is like the ego really comes through individuality mm. right that when we feel like individuals, terminally unique is what I call it. You know, that's, um, that's, that's something that I, that the plant medicine really helped me to realize is like, I'm part of something bigger, man. Like we all make up something really powerful and really beautiful. You, you said know? something to me the last time we talked and there was a lot of things that you said to me that really hit me, <laughs> but using the phrase terminally unique do you remember what you told me your biggest fear was i don't remind me you told me that your biggest fear was the fear of insignificance fact fact it to me it just it made it so simple to process of wait a second my fear isn't a failing Mm -hmm. My fear isn't. Uh, what are people going to say when you fail? Exactly. It's not that the failure doesn't hurt. It's I'm what nothing. People, the failure doesn't hurt the ego at all, right? It's, it's what people say about us or what we perceive, what we think people might say about us when we fail. In what we're saying to ourselves. And it goes back to the other quote that uh, that really stuck with me of of that of the forgiveness part of we have to forgive ourselves uh, for what we did to survive. And that is just something that, you know, really bringing all of these themes together, you can see like, wow, that is how a human being becomes an entrepreneur. There's this, you know, there's 
grandiose, you know, just confidence. And it's not arrogance. It's, it's confidence. I know what's coming and I know how to tackle it with this vulnerability of I'm also nothing. And I was telling Mike Major, you and I had this conversation. It's like, it, you can't tell somebody that and have them know how to go put it into practice. But you can tell somebody that and have their brain start to fire new neurons in a new direction and it will be defined to them the way it's supposed to be. We, you know, talking about all of these themes that have clearly made you a successful entrepreneur. And, and I appreciate the ability to talk about these themes and then talk about themes that are important to me, like the ripple effect with you. And we've had so many special conversations. And I know you as an entrepreneur and the drive, but telling me about Oklahoma quickly becoming so competitive. You know, how does somebody compete in that marketplace? How does somebody build brands, acquire brands and attract brands in order to compete in what seems kind of like that, that gold rush? Yeah. Step one, it was definitely social media presence. That was the, that was probably the, my first priority is, is I need to make sure that people know who I am. Sure. <laughs> and I and I created a persona, Turp Dog Millionaire, T-E-R-P-D-O-G. And it was a play on Slum Dog Millionaire, the a movie from like the early yeah. 2000s about poverty in India, about the slums of India. And so it was a play on how broke I was. You know, I didn't have any I quit I quit a really good job and like let all my cars go like everything. I let everything go back to start this cannabis company and I formed that persona and now as the successes came I get people be like you're a douchebag just tell people you're a millionaire I'm like no 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 I promise that's not what that means so yeah I, the social media was the was the first step and then um, with a focus on producing the best product in market and then and then third step is uh, building a catalog of national brands that people recognize to deploy in Oklahoma and like that's kind of you know there's a lot of things SOPs is, is a big like we really want to focus on how do we scale and replicate this how do we give this recipe to to someone else to like so it basically we're like building the bible of cannabis operations so which will in return allow kind of all the industry to be to mature and to develop because you're creating this consistency and then you're also working with really new brands i mean these are these are big brands and they're powerful brands but, but they're, they're still all new. exactly because cannabis is new yeah i mean it just is and so and and that plays into uh, kind of a perfect storm that allows us to a, a acquire all these brands because they all kind of develop out of the same area, really California for the most part, you know, and um, when they develop, they all share the same goal, which is to deploy in other markets as quickly as possible to raise revenue and make more money. Right. Yep. And so I realized that. And, and then I realized like Tyler, if you build production, you can go to these brands as they pop up in one place in California and you can say, hey, I want to deploy your brand in this market, this market, in this market. I just need an agreement where I have control in those markets. 
Sure. And so what that has allowed me to do is, is get control of some pretty uh, recognizable, at the least, brands and names uh, to deploy our products under. And when selecting brands, there has to be more than, oh, that looks cool, or that's got a great logo. They must be a deeper connection. And yeah, so I would I, love I, to I learn do, about that. First, our moral compass has to line up, you know? And uh, I, I, I formed a principle for myself and my company early on that has proved to be very helpful we refuse to engage in any partnership where both sides aren't high-fiving. Because if you have one partner that's not excited and feels like even the slightest, like he's getting taken advantage of, he's not getting a big enough piece, historically those don't work out. So we refuse to, to enter any, any partnerships or agreements where all parties are not excited. Sure. So that's, that's, that's very important to us. Um, you know, to morally line up with the people, work ethic, um, you know, that the spiritual compass is important. I, I like to do business with people that live by similar principles th that I try and live by. And the, uh, the stakes are much higher for a guy like me coming from where I come from. You know, the homelessness, like I was saying earlier, I'm a victim of the war on drugs and I'm a victim of the, the opioid epidemic you know started with a prescribed pain medication from a doctor next thing you know it, it leads into 10 years of chronic iv heroin use and chronic homelessness like not the kind that people recover from you know and um the, the most important thing that i'm aware of today and I think this is what drives at least my, my giving back piece, right? Is I walked around for 10 years homeless, equipped with the exact same skill set that I have now, equipped with the exact same quantitative intelligence, the exact same education, right? I haven't furthered my education at all, you know? And, uh, Nothing has changed from homeless heroin addict Tyler to CEO Tyler, except for one person was willing to take some time, right? The only currency we have that really means anything to take some time to help me. You know, somebody took time to help me and to teach me like I, after, you know, Growing up, childhood, boys' homes, institutions, high school, homelessness. I was not equipped with any of the skills uh, to live within society as a functional member. And somebody took the time to help me get sober and to teach me how to live, you know. And um, there, if there's one homeless person right? One out of the millions of homeless people in the United States, if there's one that's walking around, let, let me rephrase this. There is at least one homeless person today that suffers from drug addiction or mental illness that needs a little help that will change the fucking world. Fact. 
like man i'm telling you like it makes me emotional because these like there is brilliant minds with a level of drive that can come from nowhere else but homelessness and poverty you can't you can't teach that there's no school for that there's nowhere you can learn that like you have to live day after day after day after day figuring out how to turn your daily needs and wants from thin air you know i didn't have anything to sell i didn't have any you know and, and i was at a deficit because i was homeless nobody wants to listen to a homeless guy you know what i mean and and i i just think that the, the point that i really want to drive home is i'm the same homeless guy like that nobody wanted to listen to you know except for one kid 23 year old kid you know from boston with a lip ring annoyed the shit out of me <laughs> took the time out of his day man and he helped me and, and he taught me how to live and the ripple effects of that yeah. like now i have the opportunity to help countless countless people you know it's it's nothing short of miraculous like absolutely nothing short of miraculous and when you think of the people that you're doing business with tyler are there any individuals you know at at this level with you that you can really look to and have conversation with and say you get it you've you've lived this story with me or just another layer of empathy that's been one of my biggest challenges and that falls back into the terminal uniqueness piece because it's very hard for me to find someone with a story that lines up with mine and so what has something really terrible happens with that is you you start to believe that one nobody can identify or empathize with you and two that you're special for some reason or and here's where the dangerous piece comes in or you're entitled right that entitlement like when when the world shits on you it's extremely challenging to not say you owe me you know and and that was one of the big things that i had to overcome is realizing like dude you were dealt the hand you were dealt there was no reason for it I don't think that there's like this God with a white beard somewhere that's like, fuck him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, I hope not. That's a scary thought, you know, but uh, it happened. Like that was the hand I was dealt. And now you're left with a choice, right? Are you going to feel entitled and go the rest of your life telling people what the world owes you and feeling justified and doing shitty things, right? Or you're going to say the world doesn't owe me shit, right? And the bad hand I was dealt is now not necessarily a bad hand. It was an educational hand, right? And, and it equipped me with the tools necessary to put me in the position to help countless, countless amounts of people. You know what I mean? And so, like, when you can flip, it's all – it's attitude, and whenever you ask a pilot about attitude, 
They're not talking about attitude. Attitude is your trajectory of landing, right? Your attitude's wrong coming into the runway, you're gonna crash, dude, you know? And whenever I was able to flip my attitude, my trajectory from the, you got dealt a shit hand, the world owes you, so you can do shitty things justifiably, to this is the hand you were dealt, and it has equipped you. Yes, it sucked, yes, it's been hard, but just like, a, like an athlete, you know, you're strong now. You've, you've trained for this, you know, and suddenly the challenges that come along with being an entrepreneur, like, you know, like I can't even think of one that is comparative to like, it's going to be four degrees tonight and I don't have a coat and I'm kicked out of all the shelters. Where am I going to sleep? So I don't freeze to death. So when, you know, I was, I was on your Instagram and for the audience tuning in, of course, we're going to have links to connect with Tyler further so you can follow him on Instagram and connect with him on, on LinkedIn. But on your Instagram, the Terp Dog Millionaire, I, I'm pretty sure I watched you get punched in the chest by the heavyweight, champ, heavyweight champion of the world. And you- Baddest just, man on the planet. <laughs> Huge mistake. Huge mistake. I was so pumped going into it. I'm like, oh my God, Mike Tyson's gonna punch me. Yeah, and then you get punched by Mike Tyson. You're like, no, no, Mike Tyson's knuckle just touched my heart. And I'm sure you only <laughs> want one take when you're shooting a commercial like that. Did you it get it three. done in one? It took three. It took three takes. And the and the first one, the first two weren't hard. I mean, they were hard. It was like, oh my God, like that hurts. Mike Tyson punched me in the chest. But the third one, he looked at the camera. He was like, I'm going to make a little sound on this one. And I was like, well, wait, I'm like, wait, what's that mean? What do you mean sound? Wait, <laughs> what does that mean, Mike? And he was like, ah, I don't, <laughs> his face was terrifying. I had the thought literally in that moment, it triggered something primal inside me. And I was like, this is the same feeling you have as you're getting eaten by a great white. <laughs> Dude, I mean, like it affected that primal, like I'm helpless. Like I am a hunk of gazelle meat within the grips of lion claws and there is nothing I can do. Because you're standing there, right? And it's like, oh, wow, this is going to be a really cool promo video. And, and we know what people can do with video. This is going to be awesome. And the it, I can see where you're like, uh, this one's going to make a sound. You just like one, two. And then that thump. I was like, did his heart stop? I was concerned. It, it, it literally, it, it bruised my sternum and hurt for weeks. Weeks. I can't, I can't even imagine. I was so proud of it though. I'd I, do it again. I'm Back. sure. Well, cause I mean, I when I think of, and, and you and I have now had the chance to, to talk offline before and, you know, having, you know, met you and know who you are and your personality, like y you might not be as big as Mike Tyson, but I know that you've got that heavyweight champion of the world mentality. Like you've, you've been punched plenty. And, and you're still here and you're fighting. And more importantly, you're fighting for the right things. You're fighting for things that, that are beyond yourself. And I think as a true entrepreneur and as a human of the world, 
that's that's our responsibility you know when we've done anything and i'm a nobody you know i'm a guy that saved a small community theater i'm a guy with a with a talk show like i'm nobody but i have a responsibility to love the people in my community and and i see that from you and the people around you and and that's powerful business the the biggest lie that i think that we tell ourselves as people among the biggest is that getting is going to make me happy and fulfill me like it's it's the craziest it's it's almost like it's it's like a spiritual principle because it's like the easy one is to like take 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 yeah and buy yourself stuff you know coming from what i went through a little space i bought myself some stuff sure and and then i bought a nice watch and I put it on my wrist and it was after I bought a Tesla and I put a nice one, nothing, no excitement. It didn't mean anything to me. And I was like, Oh no. Oh shit. And I, I, I meditated and I thought on it and I was like, it's not the object that gives that buzz. It's waiting for something that you want Yeah. and having to deny yourself of it. Right. It has no value if it's immediately, if you can just say, stick your hand out and it's there. Amen. Things lose their value. Yep. And and that's whenever I realized money always made me wait for things in the past. Like it was a mechanism that forced you to wait for something that you really wanted. And so when I realized when money's not that limiting factor, then comes discipline. It's just such a big farce that <laughs> getting makes us happy. Yeah. You know, because whenever you can truly give something you don't want to give to somebody that it has a, a true positive effect on their life, that's the good dope. Yeah. If, especially the more you don't want to give it, the better the results. And I and thank God, man, I, I my best friend, he uh, he helped me build my company. He was an hourly employee. And uh, he worked his ass off, worked 20 hour days with me as an hour, as a waged employee, not a, not an owner. And uh, I realized that and I had the opportunity to give him a piece of one of the companies. Amazing. And, and when I did, that was the first time through all this that I felt that magic, like real magic, man. Like that real spiritual satisfaction you know and and it was a very important moment because i had the realization like dude you got more than you need man like it's going to impact other people more than it will impact you to keep it and it that is true that for me that that is the true joy and that is the true happiness if i make myself give it away you get that real sigh of relief. You get that real peace and and real I, I th- peace. Like it, it's. I think we're all looking for some semblance of of peace you know, at the end of the day. And you, know, when you said that, I'll, I'll never forget when I turned twenty five and I had 
sold a business and I had exited another and I had moved to California and my entire life I wanted a, a name brand car with you know special sports car convertible and I needed this right like I didn't need it but like I had worked so hard and like you said I was saving money waiting to acquire this thing and it was really cool for 48 hours and for the two years that I owned it after that every time it went to the shop every annual maintenance i said to myself this is so much more money than things that i that i want to do never mind the things that i need to do and i you know and of course you know it makes it oh, the not plastic guy bought a prius i i bought it before i announced not plastic i bought it because exactly like you said i needed to i needed to bet everything on something that saved the world because I already bet it all to get stuff and I got stuff and it did nothing for me. But now that my mission is finding people like you and finding people like our friend Mike and Christina and all of these amazing entrepreneurs that see a mission far beyond themselves, like that gives me peace, that gives me purpose. And it's just so powerful because we learn those lessons. We all think that acquiring makes us happy. It doesn't, it's real significance that makes us happy. And historically, it's shown us that over and over again. That's yeah. why I say it's the biggest trick. Cause like we forget over and over and over that stuff does not make us happy. Yeah. I forget all the time, constantly forgetting. And, and that's why it goes back to how important it is to surround yourself with people that are on the same spiritual path as you, people that share the same moral compass as you. Because when you surround yourself and they truly care about you and they know your moral, moral compass and they see you going astray, they can help guide you back in, you know? And that's, we're all just moving towards being better people, you know? Tyler, for the audience members that are tuning in with us right now that have uh, felt some of that, that spirituality, felt the love today, felt the, the grace, the happiness, the peace, and just the gratitude uh, for your time. How can we stay connected? How can we continue to follow you? And how can we watch this Terp Dog Millionaire journey? Yeah, um, all the social, Terp Dog Millionaire one with the number one on Instagram, Tyler Dodd on LinkedIn. Um, th those are my two social platforms right now. Um, our website, arcabellumholdings.com, arcabellum.com, not holdings, arcabellum.com. And then um, we, we are just entering into a new partnership with a 501C charity um, out of Tulsa that's called the Coffee Bunker. And what they do is they offer a place and resources and education and job training for homeless veterans. And so uh, we're really excited about that partnership. We're, we're really excited about the potential to make a big impact on the, the homeless community in Tulsa. So, Amazing, yeah. amazing. Well, for all, just 
for all of you tuning in. We're so grateful to you. You know, thank you for, you know, giving me a job for another year. I mean, you are just an amazing community to be a part of for 2020. And I'm so honored to be your host again here in, in 2021. And the the honor and privilege it is to to meet entrepreneurs and to help, you know, make a connection. And we've we've talked about being a fly on the wall. And now you've had that chance to be on to be a fly on the wall of a conversation with an entrepreneur that's had nothing given to him and he's he's done the work and he's grinded it out and for all of you that that feel inspired please you know head over to weedbudsradio.com and check out our show notes and we will have direct links to connect with tyler directly to go visit his website and we'll also have links to to this nonprofit. and so if you want to get involved and help spread the word and the mission we invite you and encourage you to do that and so again thank you so much for tuning in and tyler thank you for giving giving me just this moment of peace and happiness today. It's always such a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you, Rye. I appreciate you having me on. I really do. Much love. And to the rest of you tuning in at home, we'll see you on the next episode of Weed Buds Radio. Thank you. <laughs>